This is Shane Gibson's Closing Bigger Sales Podcast from ClosingBigger.net. Today we've got Mike Desjardins from Vertisync on the show. Thanks for coming. Hi Shane, how are you doing? Great. Good. And Vertisync is aiming to be, and I believe well on its way to being the apple of the consulting world. And they would be tagged as an organizational development company for, I guess, lack of a better description, but they're doing some very unique things in the organization, some very powerful things. So I think to start off with, I'd like Mike, who's the driver for the organization, to really talk to us about what they do. Well, we focus on on three different areas, um, and they really come down to people, uh, strategy, and uh, teams. And specifically, we do three things. One is we run peer groups for uh, CEOs and executives. Those are called exchanges. Uh, the second thing is we do um, strategic planning and strategic implementation. And then the third thing would be uh, overall leadership development throughout organizations. Fantastic. And today, what we're going to be really focusing on is because Virtus is, is hands-on working with many CEOs from leading companies, and I think you've got a very interesting perspective as to how people are reacting to the present turbulent environment. And yeah. Well, I mean, it, and reacting is that. I mean, there are companies that are have made a, a conscious decision um, to look and say, are we a healthy company right now? Are we doing the things that are connecting us to our long-term vision and our mission? Uh, because at the end of the day, uh, in industries where some companies aren't going to survive, some will. And those that choose to stay focused on their customers, doing the right thing, and focused on their long-term goals, not neglecting the economy. I mean, you can't, can't pretend it's not happening. It is happening. But taking that into account as one of the threats within an overall strategic framework, not as the complete focus for our company for the next 18 months. Those are the companies that are going to pull through and at the end of the day are going to be standing and say, yeah, we're, we're the ones left standing at the end of this. And so today's focus really for this podcast, as Mike and I had talked about it, was, you know, we thought, what can we cover today? There's so many things that Virtus does that could offer, you know, leading organizations, sales organizations, or leaders in general. And we realized that really what we want to talk about today is leading in times of change and turbulence. Yes. And so I guess my first question would be, or my first area of focus would be, at, from an organizational development perspective, uh, dealing with senior executives, whether it's a vice president of sales or a vice president of human resources or the CEO of the company, what are a few of the strategies or programs that you'd have them put into place to really make sure that their people are staying focused, like you said, and staying on plan versus getting distracted by what's going on? I think really what's happening in the economy right now has been driven by the war for talent. For every uh, two baby boomers that retire right now, there's only one senior person rising through the ranks who's actually capable of taking that role. And what that's done is filtered down, and and as we've all seen, salaries have have, uh, risen over the past few years throughout organizations. Um, uh, And I think the other thing we noticed in the marketplace was there was a a number of recruiting firms that got started. It's uh, an area, an industry that has uh, fairly low barriers for entry. Absolutely. So we saw that happening. We said, okay, well, clearly talent's going to be extremely important to companies. Um, The VP of HR became a much more significant role within companies. And uh, uh, organizations started to say, listen, we can either grow the people we have because we can't find them outside. And if we don't grow the people we have, they're going to go to a company that's going to help to grow and promote their career. And if there are these roles open and there aren't people ready to take them, we, we better teach them how to become a leader 
uh, or they're going to go to an organization that will teach them how to become a leader. So companies now are focusing on leadership development, on putting plans into place to take uh, what some companies will refer to as their uh, their high potentials yes. and give them the leadership tools, practical techniques, and skills that they probably would have learned left to their own devices over the next five to ten years. But they're saying, we don't have five, five to ten, ten years. years. No. So you talked about these high potential candidates. Yeah. How do you identify them? I mean, how do you sift through the ranks within a corporation and find your your next director of marketing or sales or the person who's going to launch new markets for you? I mean, you know, right now they're sitting in a cubicle beside 20 other people, uh, and they all look the same. They talk the same at this point from the first glance. How do you help your clients find those people? Well, and, and that is a great deal to do with succession planning, um, which is another area uh, that sort of ties well into strategy work and into leadership development, which is... Um, looking at the overall organizational chart. First of all, let's understand what holes are going to exist in our organizational chart as we grow. Because we've got to fill those holes in some way. Once we know the spots that are open, well, let's look throughout the organization and say, who are the most likely candidates? Um, The ambitious candidates may not be the ones who have the, the current responsibility or the experience to be able to take that role. So we may actually need to move them to different areas within the organization to take what looks like a bit of a circuitous route towards becoming a leader in this particular area that we've, um, whether it's marketing or sales or HR or operations, manufacturing, whatever it is in a large organization. Um, With the leadership development plans, what ends up happening is that the organizations tend to know who their shining stars are. The managers can point them out. Yes. They can say, these people are ambitious. They want to do something. I can see they've got the intelligence and they've got the emotional intelligence, more importantly, to potentially become a leader in this organization. But we need to do something to help them grow. When they get in the room with uh, groups of other people who are looking to learn to become leaders uh, in the organization, uh, they pretty much self-select. It's obvious, right, in the room, who are the people who are going to stand out. And it's not an extroverted characteristic. It has nothing to do with that. It's not the ones that speak the most. It's the ones that are truly committed to the program. They've got their own personal learning goals set, and they're there to learn. It's clear they're there to take something, and right away they want to try to figure out a way to apply it day to day. They're not looking to get a certificate. Gotcha. So as we look at this, what are some of the other tools? We talk about putting them on a a path to success and developing these candidates. Um, What are some of the areas of challenge? We're in turbulent times. Um, you know, things, and I think they'll always be turbulent from now on. I mean, I believe the global economy, the shifts of power base, the introduction of disruptive technologies, I think this ride's going to be a long one, and in, in a good way. So um, how, do we, how do we keep our, and we talk about leadership and developing key people, but what are some of the other things that we can do to engage our team as leaders to make sure they do stay on path? Well, one of the, the key areas of focus is finding a way to involve those leaders in the strategy. Uh, not so much in the senior team discussion with respect to what the strategic plan will look like one year, three to five years, and ten years out, but more importantly, how to help them understand how what they do on a day-to-day basis is actually contributing to the long-term success of the company. And we use something called a focus plan, which will take uh, uh, someone's entire life and help them plan out their goals for their whole life, but include the corporate goals 
on their personal plan and it fills up sort of uh, both sides of an eight and a half by 11 page. What that does is it says, okay, I can be successful in life. Here's how I'm successful in the company and here's how it links back into what my company's doing. By helping to show that alignment, that will help me to be motivated to do what I do. So it's you know digging deeper and, and connecting those individual values to the corporate goals. Right. And creating a sense of being on purpose. Yes. And that's, uh, you know, I've met, you know, recently I've had some clients and, you know, there's a few brave CEOs I've seen are that way. You know, we sit down and you do planning and you say, okay, what's important to you? And they're looking over their shoulder at the CEO to see what they should write down. You know, you know, I mean, and you get that, right? And in many yeah. corporate environments, people come out of those environments. They're looking to see what should I write down to get approval. And these brave CEOs say, I, I want you to write down what's important to you. And if yeah. and if it's not working here five years from now, I'm going to find a plan to help you get there and be productive while you're here. Right. And and that's, to me, somewhat mind-blowing uh, coming from and working with so many different corporate environments. But I'm seeing more and more of that. What do you think? What do you think? Why is that happening? Why do we see more, in my opinion, more evolved leaders today than we had a few years back? I think, I mean, it's called authentic leadership. Yes. That's what you're referring to. It's, 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 it's saying that I think that uh, Bill George actually spoke uh, well of this in a, a speech uh, presentation he did to Google, which is on actually at leading at Google on YouTube. If you go there and you type in uh, Bill George, okay. uh, it's about an hour long. Um, if you don't want to uh, watch the entire hour, I've actually written a synopsis for it on my blog. So if you go to www.mikedesjardin.com, M-I-K-E-D-E-S, J-A-R-D-I-N-S dot com and just go into the search field and type in Bill George um, you'll see a synopsis you can skip having to watch the hour long video he talks a lot about the switch in leaders becoming more authentic and as much as that's happening in the business world I think that with people like Eckhart Tolle coming on to Oprah and talking about the new earth uh, when something goes on Oprah it all of a sudden that becomes acceptable and, and pretty much mainstream I think when she introduced The Secret, it was about a year after The Secret had actually come out. So I think it's actually, this is a shift that's happening culturally yes. overall. And what we're seeing is that the same CEO that's that's uh, learning and reading about how to be a more authentic person is also running a business and saying to themselves, why should it be different at home than it is at the office? I'm the same guy or I'm yeah. the same woman that shows up there. And they're actually coming forward more. And that shows to their own personal transparency, uh, their desire for, uh, as Jack Welch said in his chapter six of his book, Winning, Candor. One of the key things that he said was a determinant of success at GE is when they figured out how to increase the candor level within the leadership ranks within GE. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's... I mean, do you think it's also, we look at, you know, we talk about leading, let's talk about leading millennials. You know, since oh, I've got yeah, you on course. the seat here. Since i got you on the seat here. and yeah. uh, What we used to call Gen Ys, which we don't Gen Ys, yeah. now we call them millennials. Yeah. Um, uh, I like to call them digital natives okay. because they were yeah. born in the digital era. You right. know, they're not immigrants like myself and you yeah. who have immigrated <laughs> to it. Uh, but, you know, yeah. so, but let's talk about leading this group of people because I, right. I, I, I think there's a lot of unfair slagging, for lack of a better term, of this demographic. You well, know? it's what our parents uh, did to us, right? So I guess it's their turn. Yeah. 
<laughs> and I think what my parents would have said, their parents said about their work ethic. So, and possibly they're right, or we just have different perspectives, I think is more accurate. Well, I think you look at baby boomers, and, and uh, they're criticizing these people in their yeah. 20s. And I'm like, you know, I know a lot of baby boomers who can't remember their 20s, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah. I look at this, and I go, what were you doing when you were 20? Right, right. Uh, and so as we look at this, you know, uh, you know the, all jokes aside, yeah, yeah. Uh, there is some different value sets, though, and, and ways yeah. we need to lead this group. What's yeah. different about them? And I mean, this is the upcoming talent that we're talking about mentoring. Yeah. So what do, people, what do people need to know? Well, the biggest the biggest shift, and uh, I think there's a there's a, a book that's written about this um, uh, millennium uh, millennials at work, and the the big shift is their cause focused, and a cause focus is a significant difference from Generation X. Um, cause focus is saying I want to work for a company that's making a difference in the world, and this isn't about recycling. You know, this isn't about having blue boxes everywhere. This is about making a significant contribution to the planet, and uh, that's what that's what a millennial is looking for. I, we didn't see that with boomers, and we didn't see that with uh, with Gen X. Well, Gen X, Gen X, of course, you know, um, you know, and I, I think I've got my sense of humor, you know, that sort of skeptical side, you know, and it's it's characteristic. And Gen X was some of a, a, a was a conservative, uh, somewhat open minded, but also skeptical group of people, right? Sure. And uh, you know, in a positive way, I think yeah. it made some great entrepreneurs that way. Definitely. But you know, but Gen Y is very like, uh, yeah, cause focus is a great term. Well, and there's a they're building different. Businesses, the gen, the the millennials that are that are actually building businesses now, um, they're doing it in a different way than we would have, than we did as uh, as Gen Xs. We get excited and we say we've got a vision for our company and we're going to go do this. I mean, our vision at at Virtus, our wildly courageous decision is to become the Apple of the consulting world. Well, uh, I don't think a millennial would approach it the same way. They would look for well, what what does becoming the Apple of the consulting world? What does that do for the planet? I think that would be more this the the approach that a millennial might use um, uh, for a vision or a decision like that. Now, as we talk about millennials, and this is this is an area of you know interesting perspective for me, and maybe you know and this is this is my hypothesis. I've done no research. I think we talk about millennials. We're really talking about North American people in that age group, are we? Yeah. I mean, if I go to the Philippines, where the majority of people are in that age group, uh, or Thailand, uh, or I go to South Africa, uh, or I go to India. Um, is this age group behaving the same way? No, I, most of the research I'm referring to is, is North American-based research. I think probably we'd be able to extend that to Europe as well. Yes. Um, but uh, but no, I don't. I, and Australia, I would say probably very similar. If you go look at the large developed The developed, nations, the G8. Right. Uh, that's kind of probably what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we'll have pockets of that probably in India oh, and definitely. in the that, Philippines. That culture is changing significantly. Massively. It'd be really interesting what's going on there and how leadership has changed. Well, I think that the, what what blew me away, and, and this is a bit of a, a sidetrack, but blew me away about India was actually reading The World is Flat by Thomas Friedman and recognizing that the number of, that in, uh, India was going to graduate more MBAs than I think like the world. Then there are North mind. Americans. Yeah. <laughs> then there are North Americans. Yeah. 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 yeah pretty well. Not quite, but almost. Yeah. 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 So. And I thought, well, that's uh, uh, the world is a different place that yeah. that is occurring now. So. So as we look at this, and it is different. I think that's why you need really engaged leaders and engaged people in the organization. Um, just sort of finishing thoughts for this podcast. Moving forward, what are let's say. Uh, projecting into the future the next four or five years, what do you think the most important thing that sales organizations or organizations in general have to do from a leadership perspective to maintain competitiveness and focus? Well, I think 
one of the first things to understand that our industries change faster than ever before, and a lot of that has been driven by the effects of the internet. We've seen that already, but I, I think we haven't really seen it yet. If we look at um, the growth of Facebook and uh, LinkedIn and uh, the original growth of MySpace, and now that Twitter could possibly eclipse overall number of users, I mean, that I'm even discussing this. I, I think I signed up for Twitter uh, in November of, uh, of 2008, and now I'm talking about uh, Twitter eclipsing Facebook. So, um, and I know it's eclipsed Dig, I think, in the last yeah. couple of days. So, um, that that platform is exploding like that, uh, I think companies that uh, are saying, listen, well, you can't use uh, Facebook and Twitter at work because those are, those are social those things. Those are toys. Those are yeah. toys, right? Um, I think those, those days are, have come and gone. Yeah. And organizations that, uh, that restrict that type of um, conversation and, and uh, ability to connect are basically saying, millennials, we understand you're the key to the future of this organization, that eventually you will run this company. The primary way that you communicate is outlawed in our business. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure that fits. No, absolutely not. <laughs> so I think from a millennial standpoint, there's definitely embracing the technology and understanding the technology. Um, and understanding that technology is there to facilitate business process. And instead of saying, well, I think this is something that doesn't fit in this company, I would look at it and say, how could it fit in this company? How does it take what we do right now and make us better at what we do? In a customer service standpoint, I can't imagine a company not using Google Alerts and, uh, and, tw- and watching Twitter right now and watching Facebook and doing the searches because uh, customers are, are, are Twittering and making comments while they're standing at the counter having bad service or while they're in your actual restaurant, they're giving you a rotten, uh, sorry, a, an urban spoon rating on their dining experience. They haven't left the table yet and they're sitting there on their iPhone. So I think engaging the millennials in helping to understand how this whole social networking thing is going to fit within an overall company strategy is similar to the way that now uh, CEOs are saying to the VP of HR, especially in the last three or four years, listen, we need you to help us understand our people plan because if we don't have good people, we can't grow our business. Mm -hmm. So taking all of that into account, the thing that I see that's consistent with successful companies is they plan to be successful. They put the time and energy in on a minimum of an annual basis to do strategic planning with their senior team and then find a way to cascade that plan throughout the organization. Uh, The companies that are moving the fastest are reviewing that plan on a quarterly basis. If you're not reviewing the plan on a quarterly basis, uh, it gets shelved. And why spend the time and the energy and the money to do planning if we're not going to carry it through on a year-to-year basis and actually measure ourselves against this. You know, win or lose, we actually have something we can work from when we're checking back against the plan that we created. We have somewhere to go. We're not starting from scratch. Fantastic. Well, this is Mike Desjardins with Virtus Inc. And you can go to Virtus, V-I-R-T-U-S-I-N-C, Dot com to learn more about the organization. You can visit his blogs to get more of a personal side and uh, make some comments, create a conversation. He does answer. Yeah, good, bad, or ugly. I'm, I love comments. I'm, I'm, I'm all about the discussion. I think a blog is, uh, is certainly not a monologue. It's a dialogue, so uh, feel free to post your thoughts. Fantastic. This is Shane Gibson's Closing Bigger sales podcast from closingbigger.net.